So this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kristen, for reading that. I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road Church. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and um, we're really glad that you're here. I know this is uh, um, Parents Weekend at OU, so parents, welcome. Uh, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, whoever you are in the room, welcome. We're glad you're here. If I have not had a chance to meet you and you have time to stick around after the service and you're not running off to grab lunch or something, I would love to um, just shake your hand and say hi to you face-to-face. -face. Well, you're coming in in week seven of a series we've been doing on anxiety. This is the last sermon we'll do in this series. Um, in two weeks, we'll be starting a series where we're walking through the book of First Peter, and next week will be a, a little bit of a standalone service, but it's going to kind of get us ready for the First Peter sermon series. So that's where we're headed over the next couple of weeks. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, once again, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for passages like this Matthew 6 one that we're going to look at today that are um, well-known, but there's a reason why they're well-known. They're well-known because um, it speaks to something that is common to all of us, and that's worry and anxiety and worrying about the future and, and all of these things. And so I'm, I'm thankful that we have your word, that, that you've revealed yourself to us in your word. And when we 
we gather together and, 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 and sit under your word and, and listen to your word. We, we don't have to come up with things out of thin air. We don't have to come up with our own opinions on things, that we have your word, and we're thankful for that. And we don't want to take that for granted, that we come in Sunday after Sunday and have this, um, your, your revelation waiting for us, and we're thankful for that. So I pray this morning that you would change us as a result of looking at your word. You would change our minds. You would change our hearts. And as a result of those two things, you would change the way we live when we leave this place. And so that we can bring you glory and lift up your son. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, several years ago, probably 10 now almost, we, um, my wife and I, Nicole, were feeling, uh, we were here in Norman and uh, the church was a few years old and we felt we were um, tired and it was a hard season and we decided, I remember last minute, that we were going to go, we needed to get out of town, just kind of get a trip, long weekend trip, little vacation. So we decided to um, get in the car and drive to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we hadn't been there before, thought this will be fun, it's close, we, we don't have to buy plane tickets, so we can kind of go there quick. We got an Airbnb, everything was set up great for us to rest. And that was my main goal for this vacation, was to rest not have to think about things going on in Norman, just to get away, just standard restful vacation. And once we got there, I could tell that this was going to be a fight. Like I, I was putting so much weight on this vacation because I would begin to think into the future that day back from the vacation. I was already going there into the future saying, here's how I want to feel. I want to feel rested. I want to feel replenished. I want to be ready to, to tackle my responsibilities here at the church and as a family. So I was already going four or five days ahead of time and really wanting this vacation to, to kind of go perfectly so I could get to that point in the future. And so we start this vacation, and I'm, I'm already anxious because I'm already trying to make this vacation everything it can possibly be, right? And Nicole, being the sweet, awesome wife she is, she decided to book us a couple's massage, thinking, okay, what better way to relax than have a massage, right? And so um, under normal circumstances, that would have been great. But again, I was so wrapped up in thinking of, well, is this the best way to spend, my, spend our time? Seems like it's a lot of money to do this massage. I wonder if we can afford it. And how, how should we spend our money on this vacation to make sure it's most restful? All of the things, right? I'm starting to spin, again, ruminate on whether this thing's going to work out. So we have the massages afterwards, no benefit to me, right? And Nicole could tell. And she was disappointed and probably frustrated, a little bit angry that I can't. And, and, and I don't remember saying this. I remember feeling this way. And I don't, I think, I'm sure I said it. She remembers it. She said, um, um, I, I like kind of, we got, she was having me process. And I, and I think I said, kind of in almost a shout, I fail at resting. I'm a failure at resting. And I'm a failure at vacationing. Right, And so just this, like, this weight of trying to vacation well and being efficient in how I read. And, and you could see the issues, right, just working against each other. And this was all because I really valued rest. I really did. And I wanted to fast forward into the future and say, I hope I'm taken care of in this way by this vacation so that I can be healthier and all these things. But I completely missed the vacation that was actually going to get me to the goal I wanted into the future. And I think we all struggle with this. We, we want to focus on the future. We, we, we are tempted to focus so much on the future and even good things in the future that we miss the present. 
that we lose peace in the present, that we lose joy in the present because we're so worried about what's right in front of us instead of what's actually happening in our lives now. And I think this could happen to all of us, and I'm sure it has happened to all of us. Those of you who are parents, right? We do this with our kids all the time. Right? We think about their future, and not, not bad things, not like crazy hypotheticals. It's like their education. Like, are they getting a good education? Are they healthy? Are they like their friends? Are they in a, in a, are they in a, in a healthy community? Like, we think about these things, but we're so worried about what's next or the next grade they're going to be in or the next thing that we miss the enjoyment of them in the present. And actually, being present with them is probably going to lead to more health with them than all those other things we're thinking about. Students in the room, right? You do this, I'm sure you do this all the time. Like, you think about the next thing, the test, the job, the interview, the internship, and it causes you to not be present in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the meantime, like when it most matters, when those other things will probably take care of themselves if you focus on what's most important today. Those of you who, um, and really all of us in this room, um, health issues, right? We, if you have health issues, that next appointment, that next thing, that kind of ache, and you're wondering, what is that? Could that be something more? Could that be something else? And you get anxious about your health now of the what-ifs of what about tomorrow? What about this day? And, 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 and that actually causes us stress and anxiety. And we know that's not good for our body. So then we start ruminating about things, and it causes us to be less healthy in the present, which actually may lead to the things that we're most worried about in the future. So how we view the future affects the present. So here's our question, and the question that Jesus is going to help us with today. How can we live life in the present? How can we truly be present in the now when we are prone to worry about the future, even in the basic things, the basic things of life. Well, let's talk about anxiety briefly. I want to catch us up. Okay, the definition of anxiety, we've been in this for six weeks now. The definition that we looked at several weeks ago, the American Psychological Association says this about anxiety. It is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. So there's a physical response there, right? So anxiety is an emotion similar to fear that is given to us by God. He has hardwired us to have those emotions. The problem becomes when those emotions like fear and anxiety and any other emotion um, become um, sources of continuous distress rather than just being warning lights and a signal like, hey, there may be something wrong here. There may be something going on under the surface, kind of deep down, that you may want to think about, that you may want to reflect on. Or they go wrong when we become fearful and anxious over the wrong things, or to the wrong degree. Or we may kind of make up things about the future that could happen, but likely won't happen, but we actually think they're, we react like they're almost certainly going to happen. So the bottom line is, is that we should feel anxiety, right? We, we're humans. We're going to feel that, but we shouldn't overreact to that anxiety. And we said that first week that emotions are good messengers, but bad masters. They're good messengers. They tip us off on what's happening underneath, kind of underneath the hood of our lives, but they're bad masters. If we give in wholeheartedly to really to any emotion, it can lead us down a bad path. The last thing before we jump in is we talked about that because we as human beings are made up of both body and soul, the material and the immaterial, when we're dealing with something like anxiety, we have to deal with both. 
We have to deal with the physical. We have to deal with our brains. That means it's, it's okay to, we think it's okay to go get counseling, to go get therapy, to maybe be on medicine for a short period of time. Those things are okay. But we for sure should deal with the spiritual, the soul, when it comes to our anxiety. In this particular sermon today, we're dealing just with the soul. We're going to see what Jesus says about the spiritual nature behind our anxiety. So let's look at Matthew 6, verse 19. Again, this is one of the most popular, um, well-known teachings on anxiety in all of the scripture. So if we're going to do a, a series on anxiety, we should go verse by verse through this, uh, this passage here. So that's what we're going to do today. Verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We skip down a couple of verses to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. And most people think the principle there is obviously he uses money here, but it's really you can't serve God and serve anything else, right? If you can't make anything rival to God without it becoming a God in and of itself. So what Jesus is saying here, and this is important for what, we're gonna, what he's going to talk about in anxiety in a bit, but if what we treasure or worship in our lives, if that thing can be taken away, can be destroyed, can be ruined, can be stolen, why wouldn't we feel anxious? Right? If, if anything can be taken away in our life, and we know that thing can be taken away in our life, and we've made that thing godlike, of course we should be anxious. If, that, if our God can be taken away, if the thing we've put our trust in and our hope in and our joy in, if that can be taken away, we should be anxious. This is why Jesus starts with this before getting down to the conversation about anxiety. We don't know for certain what will happen tomorrow. We don't know what lies ahead of us. So Jesus is giving us really a, a dashboard check here. He's, he's kind of wanting these, checking out these warning lights that we should have on our lives that, that one of those could be anxiety. Like, why are we anxious? Why are we feeling this way? And starting to kind of deal with it um, before things go wrong. Now, let's look at verse 25, kind of the bulk of where we're going to go today, the main part of this. He starts with therefore, and this is the tip that it's connected to what we just read. This therefore means, hey, pay attention. What I just read, it, it affects what I'm about to tell you. And it often starts to spill into application or what he's going to ask us to do. And, and that happens here. Okay? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is, life more, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, think about the three things that Jesus mentions here. Really, He mentions food, drink, and clothing. And I'm, I'm guessing, and I'm, 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 I'm guess I'm right, that the majority of us in this room aren't trying to figure out if we're going to have food or water or clothing tomorrow. It's a pretty safe assumption in our context. That's not what we're going to be worried about. Okay? But so we need to think about what's, what's, what is Jesus trying to teach here underneath that? Because the, the, the context that he was uh, um, teaching this into was that food and clothing were needs that they didn't just store things, right? So food, there were no refrigerators. Like, we forget that. 
So every day you had to get the food you were going to consume that day. So you went to bed that night, not with this storehouse full of stuff. You had to think, okay, I'm, I'm going to kind of, there was some level of trust every day when you woke up. God, give us, my, give him, give us our, like our daily bread. Give us the thing that we need, the sustenance we need for tomorrow. So there was an element of trust in that. Same thing with clothing, right? There, were, there weren't stores, right? There, there, most people made their own clothes. There may have been markets here and there, but those are probably far away or for maybe the upper class, right? So a lot of people made their clothes. So you had to figure out, how am I going to have the raw materials to make this clothes? Am I going to be able to get the raw materials? And am I going to have the time to make my clothes that I can actually wear? More of a process than hopping on Amazon in two days, boom, you get the shirt from Gap or wherever, right? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a different situation. So we have to think about that when we're approaching this passage. So for us, these things often turn into to little gods or tools for excess, right? We consume probably too much food sometimes, right? We can medicate ourselves with certain kinds of drink, alcohol, right? We can medicate with those things. We can medicate with food. Right? We can take clothing and turn it into how, we can, how do we look compared to someone else. Am I wearing the right things? Am I wearing the right things to fit in with this group of people? Like We, we take the basics and, and they turn into things that often weigh us down. So just something to think about as we get into this passage. Right? And you can imagine Jesus says this. And he's teaching here. And I'm guessing either that scriptures don't give us this, that people are he feels like maybe people are glazed over a little bit, or this is a really hard saying. So then he thinks, well, let me give them an illustration. And we get to verse 26. He says, look, or consider is another translation. Consider, to think about, to ponder. Like, ponder the birds. Remember, they're outside. He's probably pointing at birds. Look at, these, look at these birds, right? They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Notice how he says, he didn't say God there. He says, or Lord, he says, Heavenly Father. There's familiar, like, this language of a father taking care of them. But his, their, their father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Like, do you not matter more to God than, than birds? Like little fragile birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Think about birds, right? He says consider it, so let's consider it. Right? Birds, think about it. They don't, they don't store food. They don't worry about what's going to happen next, right? They can't plant things. They can't do their own agriculture, right? That's not the way the birds roll, right? Like the birds wake up, and they got to have to go look for the things that God has given them in nature. Right? They have to go find it. They wake up, and they go find food. Then he, use ba- he uses basic logic here to say, now think about it, right? Just think about it. Are, are you more valuable? Like you're made in the image of God. He made you. He created you. How will he not care for you more than he cares for the birds? Like, if he cares for these birds, like, think about it. It's logical. He's going to care for you as well. And then he adds more kind of on top of that. He says, how can being anxious add a single hour to your life? Now, this may mean hard to think about if you're in the middle of of anxiety and you're racked with it and you're controlled by it. But if you're not in the midst of that, you could kind of look down and think, yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty illogical to think that actually being anxious about something is going to change anything about it. It usually doesn't work like that. It usually actually makes dealing with it worse. So he's saying, how can you add a single hour to your life? Even a little tiny little hour to all the hours in your life. You really think you can do that by being anxious, Jesus is trying to get us to see. And oftentimes this source of anxiety for us is, is 
power and, and control, right? Like we want to add, we want to do more. We want to be God. We want to control our future. We want to we have the power to kind of navigate our own life. Like this is Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Like they, want, they, they wanted to call the shots. They wanted to determine what was right and good for themselves. And they acted in that way. Now, with this example, we know that Jesus isn't like advocating for passivity. He's, he tells us about investing. He talks about working hard. He gets into those things in Matthew. So it's a, it's a posture. Do the birds have to go work hard to find food? Absolutely. It's this posture that the birds aren't fretting the day before about how they're going to find stuff the next day. They get up and they go find it and they work for it, right? So it's not saying be passive. It's just, it's our posture about trusting God for what he's going to provide the next day. So we have value. We have more value than birds, Jesus is telling them. Verse 28, here's his next part of his illustration. And why are you anxious about clothing? So he's addressed kind of food and drink. Now he's doing clothing. Consider the lilies of the field. Yeah, he's probably pointing at him. He's there on a hill. They're, they can look around at the, at the surrounding kind of flat plains, and they're probably he's saying, look at, these, look at these flowers here. And he's probably pointing, and they're looking at the flowers here. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven or the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So think about it. The flowers don't have to work hard to be beautiful, right? Imagine you going up and down I-35, right, in the spring. And you look over in the median, this, this gross brown grass, probably weeds, overgrown, in, in the median of all places, concrete everywhere, right? And then you see this, like, this patch of just beautiful wildflowers that sprout up in that. It's like, how did they do that, right? Like, they're not working hard for that. They just, God has designed them to pop up in the middle of these places. This, this ugliness around them, these beautiful flowers pop up. You have like Indian paintbrush and blue bonnet and all these flowers that are really pretty. They're all unique in their own way, in their own color. And God has kind of designed them for us to look at and be like, ooh, those are pretty. Oh, ah, you know, all of those things when you see these beautiful patches of flowers. But what happens to flowers? You get them for a couple of months and they die. <clears throat> they, get, they get spun over in, in that scenario on the, on the side of the highway. It's, it's a big old tractor that comes through and just chomps them up with everything else. And maybe that's used for fire. Maybe it's used for hay, whatever. But they're gone. They're gone after a couple of months. And so Jesus is highlighting that to say, again, if we're made in the image of God, why wouldn't he's taking the time to give them, to give them all these beautiful colors? Why wouldn't he take care of you? If he took that much time to care for flowers, that in like that they're gone, why would he not care for you? But the flowers are content in displaying the glory of God, like Solomon, as more beautiful than Solomon. And they were content just to, to, to be, like as they were planted. That they were contented to stay there and serve their purpose in that way. And it appears for, for us, at least, that the, they're, not, they're not spinning, they're not toiling, they're not fighting to grow. Right? They're, they're just doing their thing in, in displaying God's beauty and God's glory. <clears throat> and then he ends this verse with saying, Oh, you of little faith. He finally introduces faith to this. And we know faith is an important part of 
just our, 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 our life as a follower, followers of Jesus, right? Like this is how we have eternal life. This is how we're united to the Father. This is how we're, we're saved is through our faith in the person and work of Jesus. The faith also comes into play of just daily sustenance, right? He's saying, have faith that God's going to take care of you. Have faith. Oh, you have little faith. It's, a, it's kind of a gentle rebuke that Jesus gives his followers of here. But he's making a connection between our anxiety and faith. I want us to see that, right? So if we're trying to like pinpoint what is the issue under our anxiety and in, in the spiritual nature, it's, it's faith. It's trust in who God is and his ability to take care of us. So we're, again, two, two illustrations, two different things about how valuable we are to him, how much more we matter to him than the birds and the flowers. And here's another therefore in verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious. Once again, he repeats himself, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Like, don't be, get wrapped up with those questions. Again, for us, that may not hit. That may not resonate with us, because we're probably not worrying when we go to bed, how in the world am I going to find food the next day? Some people in our world are. But for the majority of us, we don't think like that. It may be... Um, Jesus may say to us, do not be anxious, saying, what do I look like compared to the person on social media? Don't ask that question. Don't be anxious about that. Or do I have enough, enough money in my investment in savings so I'm comfortable to live the life I want to live now? No, 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 don't, don't ask about that. Don't, don't worry so much about your savings in the future. Or do I need a new house or a new car? Or um, am I discontent with this one or that one? No, 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 don't, don't, don't ask that question, right? Be content for today, what you have today. Like, do you have food? Do you have drink? Do you have clothing? Is God proven that he's going to take care of you? Then, then rest in that. Take comfort in that. And then there's, verse 32 is really important. I wish we could spend more time on it, but he says here, he compares God's people with people with Gentiles, right? Verse 32, for the Gentiles, which that just means everybody outside of God's family at this, at this day and age, right? You get the Jews and Gentiles. So the Jews were God's family. Gentiles were everyone else outside of God's family. But for us now, this would be probably like Christians and people who don't have faith, who aren't Christians, right? So if, if, you're, if you have a heavenly father that, that loves you, act different as it relates to anxiety than the rest of the world. Like don't get wrapped up in worrying about these things. Don't get wrapped up in worrying about what you look like compared to someone else. Or is your, you know, is your car outdated? Or, I mean, don't, don't worry about those things, he's saying. For the Gentiles seek after these things. Those who aren't in my family seek out these things. Those who don't know me and how I care for them seek out these things because they don't know me. And notice here that these things that he's mentioning in this passage, they're not evil. They're not evil. They're things that we all want. There's things that we all need. And that's why he, he, he finishes verse 32 with, and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. He knows you. He made you. He knows, you. He knows we need food. He knows we need drink. He knows we need clothes. He knows us. He made us. He knows every head on our body, the scriptures tell us. He knows what we need. And we're in his family if we're followers of Jesus. And he's our father, and he's a good father. 1 Peter 5, in 1 Peter 5, Peter, um, who walked closely with Jesus, would say this, cast your anxieties on him. Cast them, like throw them on Jesus because he cares for you. That's why you should throw your anxieties on Jesus, because he cares. He knows you. So I think the question, for sure for today, maybe the most important question you could ever ask yourself is, do you believe that God cares for you? 
Do you believe that? Like, especially when things are hard, things are anxious. And it's okay to ask that question. Even when you're in the middle of it, it's okay to think, wait, God, do you really care about me? You think of Mary and Martha, right? We've looked at that, kind of that story a few times in this series of how uh, Jesus comes into their house and Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's doing all the work. And Martha looks at Jesus and said, do you not care? That's what she says. Do you not care that Mary is just sitting here doing nothing? And Jesus gives her that little rebuke, right? She's chosen the better thing. Relax, Martha. You're, you're anxious about the wrong things. And remember in the boat, the storm in the boat, him and his disciples are in the boat. Jesus is sleeping. The disciples are freaking out, probably like you and I would be too. They wake him up. Jesus, wake up. There's a storm. And what's the first thing they say? Do you not care that we're about to die? There it is again. Do you not care that we're about to die? This is the natural human response as it relates to God when we're in trouble, when we're anxious. And, and we often doubt his care. And maybe you'll say now, I don't care. I, I, I don't think he cares. I don't really think he cares about me right now. It doesn't feel like God cares about me in the midst of this situation. And here's what I want to say. I want to I push you a little bit this morning. I want to nudge you towards what the scriptures tell us, what we know to be true, what other people in the room that have been through what you've been through, that have come out on the other side would say, yes, this, this is true. It's hard to grasp onto at the time, but it's true. This is the only thing that you could possibly anchor yourself down with, tether yourself to something real while you deal with anxiety or pain or hurt or whatever else may take a while to get through. You've got to anchor yourself to something, and this is the gospel, right? The fact that asking a question, does God care about you? He, he gave his only begotten son so that we might have eternal life. Like if anybody in this room, if you ask them, would you, do you care about me? Do you love me? Well, here's my son. I'm giving him over to death. Would that not like communicate to all of us? Oh, okay, this person cares for me. Absolutely he cares for us because he sent his only son to die for us. Not worthy people, not beautiful people spiritually, broken, sinful, rebels, undeserving that's who God sent his son, Jesus, to the cross for. Sinners like you and me. And we can only deal with these future anxieties if we look back and realize what Jesus has done on our behalf. And the truth of the past, believing in that, what Jesus has done, actually allows us to have peace in the, in the present, to live in the present, and see the future in an appropriate way that won't spin us into anxiety. Look at these few passages here that, that, that are, that if you don't believe me, here's the word, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One of the best verses in the scripture. That's good news. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us, his care for us. You could put that in there too. He shows his care for us in that while we were still Holy, no. Why we're still doing pretty good, no. Why we had just kicked that really bad thing we were doing, no. While we were reading our Bibles, no. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us at our worst. Romans 8, 32. This fits in right with what we're talking about today. He who did not spare his own son. This is the, the logic Paul's using here. He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. If that's true... 
then how will he not also give us all, graciously give us all things? And we're, we know we're not talking like health and wealth and prosperity and, you know, escaping. No, no, no. He's saying spiritually. He's going to give us all things. We have an inheritance. We're promised his presence here on earth, and we're promised eternal life into the future. Those are the things he's promised us in this verse. And when we're in the middle of it, when we're anxious, when we don't know what to do, this, those, those, this, is, all we, this is all we may have. This is it, and we have to cling to it. We have to believe he cares for us. Let's just go look at verse 33. So coming out of that, I think we're, we're to believe that first. We're to hear that first. Then he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What you really need will be given to you. That's what he's saying. What you really need, not what you think you may need, but what you really need will be given to you. We have faith that he cares for us. This is the beginning of seeking the kingdom of God, right? There's other things as well, like knowing our purpose, knowing why we're put here, making disciples, loving one another well, like loving the poor, loving the marginalized. Like these are the things that Jesus calls us to do as followers of Jesus. But we have to seek his kingdom first. We have to believe he cares for us because if we're anxious about the future, like if I'm so worried about like resting for a vacation that I can't enjoy the vacation, there's problems. How am I going to make disciples if I can't even get a vacation right, right? And a lot of you are probably in that same boat, right? We have to seek the kingdom first. And in 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. Or sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And we all get this, I think, right? Like, we all get that, that there's going to be more coming tomorrow. So we should probably just worry about today. But how hard is that? How hard is it just to focus on today? I'm right with you. Like, I, I'm still trying to figure this out. How do I worry about what's happening today and not worry about what's happening tomorrow? Here's this quote from this old Scottish Baptist pastor from the uh, 1800s. And this is a commentary on that last verse, and I think he says it so well. It's a few slides here, so stick with me. This is Alexander McLaren. It is not blessed tomorrow, and it robs today. For every day has its own burden. Sufficient for each day is the evil which properly belongs to it. Do not add tomorrows to today's. Do not drag the future into the present. The present has enough to do with its own proper concerns. We have always strength to bear the evil when it comes. We have not strength to bear the foreboding of it. As thy day, so thy strength shall be. In strict proportion to the existing exigencies will be the God-given power. Here's, listen to this. But if you cram and condense today's sorrows by experience, what you're actually going through, and tomorrow's sorrows by what might happen, anticipation, into the narrow round of the 24 hours, there is no promise that is that day thy strength shall be. That's, what's not, that's not promised to us, he's saying. God gives us power to bear all the sorrow of his making, but he does not give us power to bear the sorrow of our own making, which is the anticipation of, of sorrow most assuredly is. Saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Like we're not meant to bear the weight of tomorrow's worries and next week's worries and today's worries. But Jesus is trying to help us in that. An unknown future scares us. It causes us to lose peace in the present. But rather than see the future for it actually is, that God is there, right? He's in the future. He knows the future. He knows what's going to happen. Instead of living in the present, trusting that God's got this, 
He knows what's going to happen. And we know we can trust him with the future because of Jesus primarily. Because he says he's going to care for us. So how do we do this? I want us to give us, like we've done every, ser- every sermon in this series, some very practical steps here. Um, and you may be thinking, oh, here we go again, right? Just a um, preacher telling us to, like, take two pills and a Bible verse, and it's all going to be okay. That's not what I'm saying. I think from this series, we get it. Like, hey, this is going to be a fight. This is going to be a fight, and this is how I think this passage we're about to read, it's, it's, it's it meant to be a fight for joy, for peace in the midst of anxiety. But I said at the beginning, we have to deal with the spiritual before we deal with the other stuff. We have to deal with it. We have to deal with what's going on inside of us before addressing the other things. Listen to Philippians 4, 4 through 7. We've we've talked about this passage a lot. But think of this as you're going into the ring of a fight, and Paul's trying to prepare you here. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Okay? We'll get into a list here in a second, but that's the first thing. Rejoice. Like, that's a command. Have joy. Take joy. Remember what I've told you previously in that Philippians letter, which is the gospel. Remember the gospel. Remember what, that he cares for you. Remember what Jesus has done and rejoice in that and fight for that joy. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to, to everyone. And this is where I, I sense the urgency here. The Lord is at hand. Like Paul is sensing like the Lord's coming back. And Paul believed that in this moment. Like it could be any time. It could be any time for us now as well. This is urgency. Paul's saying, fight, let's go, focus here. And then in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but by everything, by prayer and supplication. So we have rejoice, and then we go to God in prayer. And then he says, by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we thank him too. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So go ahead and put that list up there. These are, the, I think, the four, um, I think, steps if we're going to, we want something practical to go home and, like, remember the gospel and to fight for joy and for peace in the midst of anxiety. I think, number one, rejoice. He tells us here. Like, we have to, and we have to ask God for this in the context of prayer. Read those passages. I read it, 2 Corinthians 5, Romans 5, right? Romans 8, those passages I read earlier. You read those and say, God, help me believe this. Like, I'm not feeling, like, I don't feel I believe this right now, but I know this to be true because of Jesus. Help me believe. Help. Help me believe that this is actually true. Help me believe you care for me. So we rejoice, we pray, and we thank him. Like, Paul drops that in here, and I think there's a reason, right? There's a reason why it's really hard to be racked with anxiety. Not impossible, but hard to be racked with anxiety and thinking about the future when you're thankful for what God has given you in the present. And so maybe a quick, like, quick uh, piece, like a weapon when you're struggling with anxiety is to just thank God for what you have. Man, I'm alive. I have, I love my family. I'm so thankful for that. That may be all you have right now, but thank him for that. And the last thing here is let him guard you. It says the peace of God will guard you. Right? That's, that's, a, that's a military police type language there. Like these mighty guards, they will guard you. I heard one pastor this week say, though, that he said, oftentimes that's not the issue. We just kind of let people through, like the guards, right? Like into our minds. Like the guards are there guarding it, and somebody comes up that shouldn't be in our minds, that shouldn't be like kind of like affecting us, and they want to be let in. And we're like, yeah, guards, let them through. They're okay. Yeah, yeah, you can come in too. You can come live in my head a little bit, right? Yeah, I'll look at that, and that'll, that'll be good for it. No, the, 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 peace of, the peace of God is there to guard us, to guard our hearts and our minds. 
to close, when we have faith that he cares for us, that he really does care for us, we can follow him in the present. We can do the things he calls us to do in the present. Make disciples, love others well, die to ourselves, love brothers and sisters in the church, give ourselves for the kingdom. All of those things, we can do that without being consumed about our future, and it being a distraction and something that's constantly paralyzing us. So here in a, we're about to move into a time of communion, and then we're going to sing a last song. And so when we do that, I want us to, I want us to sing, and I want us to remember communion, that we're believing this. And, we're, and maybe if you don't believe it now, we're asking God through communion and through that final song, help us believe. Help me believe that you care for me. Help me believe that you care enough to help me overcome my anxiety. Let's pray. God, once again, we're thankful for your word. When we're talking about anxiety, I'm so thankful for the gospel. It would be difficult to trust you if it wasn't for Jesus. But the, the, the Romans 8.32, like how, how will he not take care of you if he's already given his son on our behalf? That's our anchor. That's the thing we hold on to when we struggle. And help us believe that this morning. Help us believe. It's in your son's name we pray.